0: Welcome to a very special episode of the Macab Family Podcast. It is special because I'm sick. Very sick. Um, I went to the emergency room yesterday. No COVID, no strep, no pneumonia. Just like a flu. So, yippee doo da I am here with my special six feet apart guest host, Mikhail. Hi. <laughs> so, we're going to try to get through this. Sorry for my voice. It is rough. So, being from New England, we all are aware of the Salem witch trials where many men, women, and children were accused of witch tra- witchcraft and some were even killed. You remember that? We talked about the Connecticut ones. Wait,
1: when I said I had seen the movie about it, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: But we mean you talked about the Connecticut yeah. trials. We here in New England back in the day were easily fooled by superstition and folklore. I don't know if it's the setting of New England itself or what the colonizers carried with them from where they originated from. I don't want to get into the psychology of why people do crazy things back then, all because they couldn't explain what was going on, so we're not going to get into the psychology of that. That stuff is still happening today in some places, but I digress. Today we are talking about a little-known episode in the storied past of New England, The Vampire Panic. Now, what do you think of when you hear of vampires?
1: Things that have fangs and suck your blood. <laughs> At least that's what I thought when I was younger.
0: Do you, do you know any movies with vampires or anything like that?
1: Does it count if it's an animated show? Yeah, that's fine. The Loud House.
0: The Loud House had a vampire?
1: Yeah. A uh, vampire's of melancholia.
0: She's not actually a vampire. I thought she was, like, a witch.
1: No, like... Not Lucy, like that show she watched had all the vampires in it,
0: and like um. Other yeah, Disney movies they had like my mom's dating a vampire or something. Oh wait,
1: yeah, that's on my Disney Plus.
0: So I think of like Twilight and True Blood stuff like that. Twilight. Yeah, I don't know what Twilight is. It's a vampire, werewolf, love story. That's a weird name. Twilight? Yeah, for Vampire Wolf. Twilight. Is new the name Moon. Is someone... Breaking Dawn. Yeah. yeah. So how we view vampires now isn't what rural New England in the late 1800s was dealing with. There is a rumor that one of the stories we're going to talk about made it to a famous author, and that was the inspiration for a story. But I'll get to that later. You probably won't. You'll know the name, but you'll never probably read it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Our story starts with a highly infectious disease. Tuberculosis is spawned by the Microbacterium tuberculosis bacteria. It normally affects the lungs and used to kill up to 50% of those infected by it. That's a lot. Yeah. 50%? If so, if me and you got it, one of us would for sure die.
1: Yeah. Which means... One in every two people die. Yeah,
0: so. <laughs> 50%. <laughs> With advances in medicine, the fatality rate has dropped to 15%. In many cases of TB, what kills the victim is the subpar facilities they are treated in. So, like, third world countries, that mm-hmm. bad hospitals, stuff like that. Most of the deaths occur in third world countries where they don't have the ability to, for the treatment facilities like we do. Yeah. Jumped to the middle of the 1800s in rural New England, an outbreak of TB, or as it was known back then, consumption. They considered it a wrath from God. So it was like a a plague. Like, God brought it down upon them. Mm -hmm. They called it consumption because of what the disease did to the person's body. The symptoms of consumption, or TB, are chronic, sometimes bloody cough, high fever, and weight loss. So like what I have now.
1: <laughs> Except you're not coughing up blood.
0: No, no blood. Hmm. No. It makes sense that they call this the wasting disease because it like wastes, the bo- person wastes yeah. away.
1: It's like, it's consuming
0: Consumption, yeah, it consumes yeah. Uh, their whole yeah. body. As it is so highly contagious, when one family member got it, like the common cold in a family's house now, it ran right through it. So, like right now, how I got my flu slash cold. I got it from my lovely niece and my mom because And your sister. Well she didn't have it. That's she just sister. called me to um. hang out with Hazel. Well, I
1: didn't, didn't have to be near she, her. She but, went to the doctors to make sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But of course I didn't have to be near her, but yeah. she's a little baby, yeah. of course yeah. I do. She when she looks at me and says, Auntie, auntie mm-hmm. hug I'm gonna do it. <laughs> It would kill almost everyone it touched. I believe the stat on that was one out of every four deaths on the East Coast was from TB back then. So four people died. At least one of them had TB back then.
1: Oh, oh. Does that make I sense you now? one in every four people that you were near.
0: No, one in every four person four that died yeah. died from TB. Now we have the information on what caused this whole thing. The first no mention to the American vampire is the letter to the editor of the Connecticut Courant and Weekly Intelligencer. And that's literally what it says. Published in June 1784. The letter was from Councilman Moses Holmes from the town of Willington. He warned people to beware of, in his words, a certain quack doctor, a foreigner (coughs) who, who had urged families to dig up and burn dead relatives to stop consumption. Holmes himself had witnessed several families dig up their family members at the doctor's request and didn't want anything to do with it. He wanted to warn people, and in his words, quote, and that the bodies of the dead may rest quiet in their graves without such interruption. I think the public ought to be aware of being led away by such an imposter, unquote. This is just a little appetizer, of the literal horror families went through, so now that we dipped our toe in the late 1700s, because that's when that letter was from 1784, oh. we're gonna jump forward boom, 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 to 1990.
1: I thought that, I thought we were jumping forward 100 years. I thought we it was you would read the letter from 1800.
0: 1784, mm-hmm. so 1990. I'm gonna tell you a story and you I want you to put your your mind in it. It's about a group of children and they're playing on a hillside gravel mine. You could you can picture yourself doing that, right? It's like a sand pit. Oh yeah. So a group of children are playing on a hillside gravel mine. They found some graves. <laughs> when the boy told his mom she didn't believe him until he walked through their door with a skull. Would you pick up a skull or would you be like, no? Come <laughs> I on. Might.
1: I might. I mean, so,
0: I mean, I'm in, like, disbelief. If you came in and you're like, I think I found a grave. I'd be like, what makes you think that? You'd be I like, well, there's bones here. here. I'd be like, no, bring me the bones. Or would I? you be like, no, I don't want to disturb it. Please come look.
1: Oh, yeah, like I was just saying. I'm pretty sure if you disturb a grave, there's going to be a lot of ghosts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you dig it up and then... You can't ruin the bones. You're going to be disturbed for the rest of your yeah.
0: life. So, yeah. Like, if your kid says they found some random grave with bodies in it. Okay, good for you, Johnny. So, you know, whatever you say. Wait, wait.
1: How young are we then? I
0: don't know. I just said children. Like,
1: maybe like six, seven? Well, I like your age. But, like, why on earth? Well, if I six seven,
0: and I would have. No, but the, the, they came and the parent didn't believe him at first until he came with the skull. Like,
1: oh, I thought you meant he already came prepared with the skull. No, mm-hmm. no. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah,
0: why didn't the parent go look and confirm and be like, I'll believe it when I see the skull on my kitchen table. Come come on. Maybe they're lazy. This was in Griswold, Connecticut. In this place in the 80s, there was also a serial killer working at the time named Michael Ross.
1: Ooh, serial killer. Are you can yeah. do a co- podcast episode on that.
0: He raped and killed eight women. They thought this could be a crime scene with another victim that they didn't know about, so they roped it off and treated it like a crime scene. The bones, though, were clearly way older than a couple years. They were brown and decaying. They turned out to be more than a century old. It's a hundred years, I believe.
1: Century is ten, I think. Century? A
0: decade's ten.
1: Because we're in the 21st century, which would be... hundred years. Oh. Oh yeah. I was about to say it's not thousand years. <laughs>
0: <sighs> um ah, bah, bah. they called Nick Bella Bella-n-toni, Bellatoni. The Connecticut State archaeologist. He determined that the hillside contained a colonial error farm cemetery. Apparently New England is full of places like this. Family plots that have been forgotten over time. So
1: Yeah, you see this when you're driving, but
0: yeah, but, like, over here, if in, you go in straight Ozards, back, yeah, and yeah. they're, like, in the woods, there's a family. Yeah. Plot. So, if the plot is there, it wasn't woods back then. That means it was farmland.
1: Yeah, they were planning on making that uh, back behind the Christmas tree farm at uh, Campground.
0: <clears throat> but what I'm saying is, oh, where the, the plot, man, they're very, yeah. very, very old. And that means that there was a farmland there before, and then it got overgrown with woods and stuff. People forgot it was there, yeah. basically. Parent, uh, family plots have been forgotten over time. So, word of advice, Wait. do your research if you buy land and are planning on building, find records as far back as you can go, and make sure you don't get yourself in a poltergeist situation. Yes?
1: That has been over 100 years ago, To even get a tree like mm-hmm. oh, wait, you guys can't see
0: that. Yeah, have you? You've um, never seen the graves, have you?
1: I have. When me and Touch drove in the on they're the very road. very
0: old. Yeah. They're over a hundred years. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because those trees would have had to mm-hmm. take over a hundred years. That's
0: what I mean. Okay. It's all it turned into all woods. So, when Yaya first moved here, yeah, this this road was dirt. Which trot road was dirt, and it stopped.
1: Yeah.
0: So it was like a half a road. Yeah. So think of, and if you look at aerial photos from way, way back, you can see that certain farmhouses were here before. So the Osgoods farm could have been here, but this all could have been farmland. Mm. And uh, I'm interested, if you go by the graves, if you walk probably further into the woods, you might be able to find structures, like old stone structures and stuff. We
1: should ask if we can go do that.
0: They found 29 burials that were typical of 1700 to 1800 burials. The dead were laid to rest in thrifty Yankee style, meaning wooden coffins, no jewelry, or even much clothing. So. They probably got looted? No, they were just poor. Um, so, just wooden coffins, any jewelry, or fancy clothing the family kept. They yeah. didn't want to bury it with the. Yeah. Their arms were either laid by their sides or across their chest all seemed well and normal, except for burial number four, as the archaeology team had called it. This grave was different. I'll give you a guess why. Two guesses. Why this burial number four was different. Will you tell me if I get it?
1: Yeah. Uh, it, it, was, it had been dug up before, and now there's just ashes in it. No.
0: Do, do, do. Yeah, I'll just how about oh, I just wait, tell wait, you? Wait,
1: I got it. I got it. <gasps> mhm. The body was pretty much consumed.
0: Well, I mean, it says they were buried in the seventeen hundreds, so yeah. I mean, it'd just be bones. Well, I mean, like how about I just tell you? Bones. I <laughs> like
1: the holes in the bones, like all that stuff. But okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Even before the ex- evacu- excavation began. This gravesite was unique. It was one of only two stone crypts in the whole plot. It was partially visible, and it was partially visible from the mine face. So stone crypts are like stone. Like and like headstones. when they lifted the first of the large flat rocks that made up the roof, so it was like a grave inside of on top of a grave. They discovered that. the remains of a red painted coffin. And in the remains of that coffin, they could see skeletal feet. So you remember when we went to we went and walked around the graveyard in Portsmouth? Yeah. We saw those big mausoleums. I called them. When I tried
1: looking in one. Yeah. yeah.
0: So those are, that was kind of the same idea, except for just stones, and it was buried.
1: Oh yeah, I saw a hole, and I thought I could look in it. And it turns out it was just covered over with something.
0: <laughs> um, so everything no looked normal so far other than the fact that the coffin was red. When they raised the next stone, they were able to see the rest of the body, and that, as you can imagine, since we're talking about it, did look so normal. The individual had been, and these are Nick's words, quote, completely rearranged, unquote. Oh, my God. The skeleton had been beheaded. The skull and thigh bones rested atop the ribs and vertebrae. vertebrae. Okay, now I can't
1: get that picture on my head. It's
0: like... Nick said it looked like a skull and crossbones, like... The Jolly Roger, like a pirate flag. He said he'd never seen anything like it. When they did analysis on the skeleton, they discovered that the beheading, along with the other injuries to the bones, like rib fractures, all happened about five years after the person was dead. The coffin had also been smashed around the body. All the other skeletons from the hillside grave were repacked and sent to be reburied, but not JB as a skeleton was to be called. He was a 50-ish male from the 1830s. They got the name JB because those initials were spelled out in brass tacks in his coffin lid. He went to the National Museum of Health and Medicine in Washington, D.C. to be studied further. (laughs) Nick wasn't done. What he found really intrigued him, so he invited archaeologists and historians to tour the site to see if they could come up with an explanation of what happened.
1: So just invite more people to see dead bodies
0: pretty much well historians and archaeologists are that's their job like oh. archaeologists are people that find like
1: uh, tutankhamun
0: in common like stuff like that like they, I they they were the
1: ones that find like coffins that were like closed like they don't ever see one because
0: they oh don't they know. open them oh, yeah they ruled out vandalism almost immediately because there wasn't any valuables to steal and no other body was bothered like JB Finally, one of his colleagues had asked if he had ever heard of the Jewett City Vampires. Here, we are going to meet Michael Bell. He is a Rhode Island folklorist who has been studying the New England vampire exhumations for almost a decade. So I would say he is a person to look to for information on this. You look very confused.
1: Yeah. I saw a truck today when we were at Home Depot, right? Uh Uh-huh. And it said it was like an anarchy. More control truck but it was like somebody's business it wasn't like an actual like okay. it was but it wasn't like like a town would have mm-hmm. and it said we take care of pest pest yeah and exu-
0: like exhumations yeah
1: i was so confused i was like Dad, what maybe that?
0: exhume rats or mice from your house
1: it didn't it didn't say any animal it was like That's- pest and I saw Mm. pictures of, like, a raccoon, bears, Uh, stuff like
0: that. That's why. Mm. Exhumations, which is digging stuff up. So maybe, like, moles, like stuff that digs, maybe they exhume Mm. them from the ground. I don't
1: know. Maybe they dig up dead animals. Who knows? Yeah.
0: With Michael and Nick working together, they determined that the case of JB occurred at roughly the same time as the other incidents we will be talking about soon. So the timing was right. Also, Griswold was rural and bordering southern Rhode Island, where multiple exhumations occurred. This all fit the mold of all the other exhumations that Michael had researched. Even the post-mortem rib fractures made sense now. The likely story is, JB was dug up, and the people then rummaged around his chest cavity, trying to find his heart so they could possibly burn it. (laughs) <laughs> you were startled. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now in 2021, we have the only fully intact archaeological clue about the fear that gripped New England in the 1800s. So there's, there's only one single clue. No. Archaeological. Meaning, oh. touch. We can touch it. So JB, oh, This funny. this guy, is the only body that they've been able to find and dig up.
1: They actually allow people to touch it without, like... No, 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 no. I No, I'm talking
0: about, like, this is the one that they can actually <laughs> like, research and, and yeah. look at. Yeah. This is the only one they have. Yeah. They have... We have letters and newspaper clipping about what was going on, but JB is the only fully intact skeleton that has been rearranged and put back. Mm-hmm. Testing it proved that JB did die of tuberculosis, so that fits the narrative even more. Doom, doom, doom. Michael Bell has documented at least eighty exhumations. Oh my God, I hate this word. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, dug up bodies, because exhumations, especially the way I sound, doesn't. It's not rolling off the tongue.
1: <laughs> Wait, what is the word? Sorry, yeah.
0: Exhumations.
1: Pretty much part of.
0: Ex- it's digging up about.
1: Bottom. Yeah, I can see what ex. I can see where the exhum comes from, because... Exhum. Exhumations. Oh, I was going to say, excavated, almost like excavated. Yeah. Yeah, excavated.
0: So, as going as far back as the late 1700s and as far as Minnesota, most of what he has found has been concentrated in the backwoods of New England in the 1800s. Why this happened so much is like a psychological thing. Like, why this... Psychologically? In your mind. Uh-huh. We may think now now how far the 1800s is from modern times, but if you think about it, it actually really isn't that far away to have something like this occur. The Salem Witch Trials happened in 1690. In 1892 was the last exhumation that we know about. I'll get into that story soon, but think of the time frame. 1892. That is less than 100 years from when they discovered J.B. It's not that long. It really isn't. It can show you what hysteria can do. You would think that after the witch trials, they would be a little easier going with the ooky spooky supernatural beliefs. But they weren't at least this time. The people were already dead, but I can imagine what the living families went through making the choices they had to make. So oh. nobody died. Well, people died obviously from tuberculosis.
1: died from anything. Back
0: then. No, no, no. Did I'm talking know. about this.
1: Oh, that's what you meant.
0: Um. But so, like, when this was the panic happened, nobody, they didn't, nobody got killed mm. because of the panic. But can you imagine? Say, me and your dad died of tuberculosis. You're mourning. You're sad. And they're like, we're gonna dig up your parents' bodies. And then we're gonna dig in their bodies for their heart to burn it because they might come after you and kill you. Like that's a lot for somebody to go through.
1: I mean, if I was still a kid and there was a gun around me, I'd probably want to shoot them.
0: Yeah, but this is the eighteen hundreds okay. and they They it's probably a whole didn't thing. have guns back then. Well they did.
1: <laughs> I thought guns were invented like during the <coughs> wars. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I don't know much history.
0: No, that's no, why it's my you're...
1: favorite class. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm gonna try this, set this, try and set the scene a bit before we get into the people who were affected. An eighteenth century description of a consumption patient goes, "Quote: The emancipated figure strikes one with terror. The forehead covered with drops of sweat. The cheeks painted with livid crimson. The eyes sunk. The breath offensive, quick and laborious, and the cough is so incessant as to scare." to scarce allow the wretched sufferer time to tell his complaints." Now, that is the description of somebody with tuberculosis or consumption. They had just a way with words back then, like, it's scary, but it's pretty. This goes to show you, though, how they viewed people with tuberculosis, with fear and pity. They didn't know how to help them, and they knew getting too close would mean possible death to themselves. The symptoms progressed through the body in such a way that to the onlookers, it seemed as though the affected were getting the life drained out of them by something. Like COVID? What do you mean?
1: People don't know how to help them, pretty much. I mean, now they kind of do, but not before, really. I mean, yeah, I guess
0: you can, yeah, sure.
1: Partially, partially not.
0: Yeah. The the TB bacterium was identified by Robert Koch in 1882. The <laughs> rural areas didn't get news of this. It even took until the 1940s for any drug treatment to get to these places. So they had a time before help would actually come.
1: 1940? Isn't that like... 1940? World like, War II? Yeah, it's been said during World War II. In
0: 1892, one physician blamed TB on his, quote... Drunkenness and want among poor. So he said TB was the only people that would get it were drunkards, people that drink too much, and poor people. The cures back then included drinking brown sugar dissolved in water and frequent horseback riding.
1: Oh, I love horseback that, <laughs> <then. laughs> hmm. that would be a nice thing.
0: Except for if you can't breathe and you're coughing. I don't know how that would help, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, then again, yeah. According to Michael Bell, he thinks that if the medical establishment was being honest, they would have just said there's nothing we can do and it's in the hands of God now. So the historians and archaeologists and people now say, like, if the medical professionals quote unquote were being honest to the families, they'd be like, we really can't help them. They're gonna die. Start our story with the last known vampire <laughs> exhumation. Tired? Yeah. <laughs> Mercy Lena Brown lived in Exeter, Rhode Island. It was a large farming community. And I say farming in quotes. Quote, unquote. I say that in quotes because the land was barely fertile soil. It is just rocks. Rocks and more rocks, according to the president of the Exeter Historical Society, Wait. Sheila Reynolds Boothroyd. Yes. Exeter? Rhode Island, not New oh, Hampshire.
1: Is <laughs> that so the same? Wait, we're close to there.
0: During this time in Exeter, like most of New England, it was less populated than usual due to casualties from the Civil War and the railroad enticing people to move west away from the brutal weather we get here in New England. Cold winters.
1: Yeah, but if you move west, isn't that owned? Wasn't that. Oh, wait, what year is this?
0: 1892. Okay, so wasn't almost that? 1900.
1: Okay, so yeah, that was owned by, uh, well, let me think.
0: California? We're talking West, like California, stuff yeah, like warm places.
1: Yeah, that, when I looked at this territorial map that was, um, yeah, so the 13 colonies were owned by America and Britain, right? Mm hmm. But after that, it's, like, the other, not the other half, like 75% of the United States. It's not counting Alaska and. Why, that it was owned by something else, like pretty much Louisiana all the way to California, like
0: oh, we own them, well, Georgia. We own Florida. them now.
1: Yeah, but I was talking. No, about I'm like, not. And uh, back
0: then, we did too. Oh, we did. In the eighteen hundreds. Oh, hold on. I will
1: check. Yay! So good thing is we can still record and Google. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. So. Googling in eighteen ninety two the year Lena, as Mercy was called, died, the population in Exeter was nine hundred and sixty one a stark comparison to the twenty five hundred it was in eighteen twenty. When did we what? Uh, Get the West. There we go. Uh eighteen forty eight. The Louisiana Purchase, uh, mo- much of the West became part of the United States. So the w- Louisiana Purchase in 1803.
1: Can you just Google who was it owned by before America got it? I just want to Mexico? know.
0: Mexico owned? Uh, uh. Yeah. us Americans take over everything. Because <laughs> we're terrible. Um, so in 1820, 2,500 people Live there, and then when Mercy died in 1892, only 961. The Brown family living on the eastern edge of town with about 30 to 40 rocky acres began to succumb to the disease, tuberculosis. Yes, Brown family, yeah, but this is in Rhode Island.
1: Oh, yeah, there's no way, yeah, no,
0: yeah, never mind. So, in 1882, so this is about 150 years after tuberculosis started to plague New England. Can you imagine a plague lasting 150 years?
1: Well, we're not going to be alive that long for COVID, but... I mean,
0: like tuberculosis runs through families, like I said before, and it's highly contagious. COVID, not so much. We didn't even get the medicine to cure until the 1940s. So Lena's mother, Mary Eliza, was the first to die in 1883 from the disease. Then Lena's sister, Mary Olive, the next year, she was only 20. So, so far, her mom and sister had passed. They were able to find an obituary for Mary Olive, her sister, and it did give you some hints to what her final days were like. Quote, the last few hours she lived with great suffering, yet her faith was firm and she was ready for the change, unquote. The whole of town attended her funeral, and they all sang the hymn, One Sweetly Solemn Thought, which Mary Olive picked out herself. In 1890 to 1891 thereabouts, the time frame isn't exact. Lena's older brother Edwin, who the newspaper described as a big husky young man, got sick as well. He decided to try and go out to Colorado Springs in hopes the climate would help him. So, back then they thought the change of climate with better air... Mm. Not, would help, like, 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 like not higher eval- evala- elevations would help with tuberculosis. Okay, that's the... Because <coughs> <coughs> Colorado's higher. Okay, than. That
1: is <coughs> the very opposite of the smartest thing to do. Mm-mm. Higher elevation helped. is harder to please, though. I don't know, it helped. How? There's not less... There's less air up in
0: I don't and know. high. Who knows now? A little different air. That. <laughs> yeah, cool. People, there, there were tuber- tuberculosis places up in the mountains. Yeah. That helped like, breathing, I guess. I don't know. But it's, di- I don't, I don't know. Who knows? Like, Colorado isn't high enough where it's gonna affect. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? It's not like Mount Everest where you need a, yeah. a been in Colorado. Yeah. Fresh air. Lena was only about eight or nine when her mother and sister died. She started getting sick about 10 years after their deaths when she was 19. In 1892, 1892, Edwin returned from Colorado Springs in some kind of remission. While Lena was on her deathbed, though, Edwin started taking a turn for the worse. January 1980, sorry, 1892, Lena finally died from TB or consumption, whatever you want to call it. Her obituary was very different than her sister's. It read, Miss Lena Brown, who had been suffering from consumption, died Sunday morning. That's it. (laughs) Lena's story doesn't end here, though. Like I said, she was the last known vampire exhumation, so her death wasn't the end for her, unfortunately. Edwin was getting worse after Lena's death, and the townspeople, afraid for themselves, hoping to save Edwin, were done relying on prayers. Several of their neighbors approached George Brown, Lena's father, and offered an alternative take on what was happening with Edwin. Maybe an unseen diabolical force was preying on the family. Yeah. (laughs) It could be that one of the Brown women was not dead, after all, but secretly feasting on, quote, the living tissue and blood of Edwin, unquote.
1: That is the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard.
0: Yeah, but... I mean... Guess what? George Brown thought like you. As the Providence Journal later summarized, the townspeople believed if they destroyed the, quote, unfending corpse, unquote, as they called it, that Edwin would recover. They asked George if they could exhume the bodies and check for fresh blood in their hearts. George reluctantly gave permission. I say reluctantly because I don't believe this is what he wanted to do. He didn't attend... The exhumations.
1: I don't think you can trust this information now. I don't think that He'd, guy would have ever said that. He
0: he didn't want to, but he think hasn't. about it. You gotta think, too. Hunter? Yeah. Think about it. He didn't want to, but he knew that this would... If he said no, and more people got sick, that they would blame him. It would be... You know what I mean? He did Like I said, he didn't attend to exhumations, because I can only imagine... The pain he was feeling, burying his whole family and his son dying. And a group of locals think the only way for your son to survive is to dig up your family and burn the bodies. As they did this, George had the family doctor on site to perform another autopsy on Lena and try to talk some sense into the madhouse of people. So he didn't attend it and he had their family doctor attend it so he could show, the doctor could show the townspeople like, Look, they died of tuberculosis. This is silly. Stop. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And then some Sundays after they do that stuff,
0: then. As well as the family doctor, a journalist from the journal, just called the journal, was present as well. This is why we have so much information on this particular case. The exhumations happened on March 17, 1892. After nearly 10 years, Mary Olive and Mary Eliza were basically bones. Lena, though, had only been dead since January in the middle of winter, and it was thought that she was left in a stone crypt above ground until the ground thought enough for burial.
1: Wait. I just realized something. Mm-hmm. Do they bury just the bones of a dead person when they bury a body?
0: No, they bury the whole body.
1: Or it's like, the skin still on it?
0: Well, obviously. Your body doesn't turn to bones quickly, that quickly.
1: That's it. Uh, th- so. You sh- then how would they ever...
0: Ten years. So, they... Dug up the mom and the sister. It was ten years later, so they were just basically bones. Oh,
1: this has it's like has something to do with like dead people, but not with this. But I'm just realizing I never thought about
0: this. You've never seen a dead body. You've never been to a funeral where there was a body no. and a cat. Okay.
1: Uh, but I'm just realizing when if the dead body's in the casket, if somebody has to go in there. This gonna be a whole bunch of flies, maggots, because the skin is still in there. Okay. It can, you can't so take out all the blood. so
0: here. Yes, you can. Not uh, back then they didn't, but now they do. That's what he? the mortician does. He he uh, drains your whole body of blood and he takes all your organs out.
1: Oh. Okay, and you get stuffed yeah. with
0: like newspaper. Uh-huh. The your eyes are glass.
1: Remember me to never get buried.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, Lena's body was. F- Okay, so this is a quote from the journalist. The body was in a fairly well-preserved state. The heart and liver were removed, and in cutting open the heart, clotted and decomposed blood was found. So, Lena died in January, which is... We know New England is very cold. Bodies don't decompose when it's frozen.
1: You can't even bury bodies, usually. You
0: can't. That's why they left her in a stone crypt until you could bury her. So, her body was frozen until burial, and then they dug her up Um. in March. So it was fairly well-preserved because she'd only been dead a couple months. During the autopsy, the doctor once again pointed out that Lena's lungs, quote, showed diffuse tuberculosis germs, unquote. This did not deter the townspeople. They burned her heart and liver on a nearby rock. Then they fed Edwin the ashes. So her brother. They fed him the ashes of her burned heart and liver. He died two months later, after he succumbed to the tuberculosis.
1: So, it was just... Pointless, yes. <laughs> Wait, no, I was going to say, so it was, like... Wait, so did he die of it? Yes. Two months
0: later? Two months. He died of tuberculosis. Is that lucky? No. I mean, it's just... That's just and what he happens. He
1: lived two months longer. Yeah.
0: I am sure that George felt he had to let the townspeople exhume the bodies. As you recall from the witch trials... Groupthink, especially in the supernatural sense, can be all-consuming and cause so much harm. In the case of the Salem and Connecticut witch trials, it caused so much death. In the case of the vampire panic, this is all mental anguish it caused, making people dig up their families and check to check their body. In some cases, the people making these decisions were children left after their parents died, like I talked to you about. Yeah. It is horrible to think of. Lena Brown's surviving relatives kept newspaper click things of this whole ordeal alongside with the family recipes. They still talk about the events today. This type of things, them talking about it, keeps it alive in a sense. It's their family history. Another way this is kept in the history books is in another book. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Have you ever heard of it? No. Have you heard of Dracula?
1: Oh, wait, Dracula. Yeah.
0: You know who Dracula is. Wait, you never read this book. The book, no. I don't. Okay. I read this book, and to be honest, I hated it. It was the most boring book I've ever read.
1: When did you read this book?
0: A long time ago. It's oh. a very old book. I'll, I'll tell you. Oh, okay. It like took me a very books. long time to read. I think it took me almost a month to read it. And knowing how quickly I read books, that's for me that's a long time.
1: How many pages was there?
0: It's just it's old English. Like it's it's oh, it's wait, an old you were old talking old book. About
1: this before, yep.
0: Anyways, this is just a rumor. But an anthropologist named George Stetson was very well known, and he traveled to Rhode Island to look into the barbaric superstition, as he called it. What he wrote was published in the American Anthropologist Journal. His account made waves not only in New England but around the world. Soon, the foreign press got a hold of the story and gave their input as well. Some called it. Intermarriage, some said it was all bollocks, and the town people lied to George. Either way, everyone had an opinion on it. So, this Mercy Lena Brown Mm -hmm. became this is why this was the last one because it became so well known. Mm -hmm. And everybody had some people said that these people were idiots and that intermarriage, so marrying your sister caused their brains to be stupid.
1: Wait, one of them married the sister? No.
0: That's what other people around the world were calling us, or the people around here. My family doesn't live here yet.
1: Mm.
0: But they're saying, like, we're stupid. That's why that they were digging up bodies, basically.
1: Yeah, that's stupid, actually.
0: Either way, everyone had an opinion on it. One 1896 New York world clipping found its way into the papers of London stage manager and aspiring novelist Bram Stoker. His theater company was touring the United States at the time. His novel was published in
1: 1897.
0: 1897? Dracula. So many scholars believe that he didn't have enough time to see this article and then add it to his manuscript, but others see this character, Lucy, resembling Lena very much. Lucy in the novel is a consumptive-seeming teenage girl turned vampire who is exhumed and a medical doctor presides over it, just as one did over Lena's exhumation. There are similarities, and since this turned out to be such a big deal, and the British public was denying this ever happened over there, how he knew such details is beyond me. Or maybe he was just that imaginative. Who knows? He's not alive to tell us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it does hold true, since that this clipping about this case was found in his stuff. You know what I mean?
1: Like in, like, a...
0: His paperwork. Yeah. They found a clipping about her case. Oh. Lena was the last exhumation that we know of, but there are many more before her. We aren't going to get into as much detail with them because not a ton of it is known. Records weren't that great back then, and a lot of the burial sites were destroyed over time. I will tell you all that I do know, and you will be astounded as to how long this went on and how many there were. Then we will get a little into why we think this happened and where the heck these people got these ideas. One of the earliest known documented cases with a name attached to it is the case of Rachel Harris from Manchester, Vermont. Rachel died of tuberculosis in 1790. The year after her death, her husband, now widowed, married her stepsister, Huldah. So it'd be like, if me, if I died and your dad married the other Stephanie. <laughs> like one of my sisters. Before long, Huldah was exhibiting symptoms of tuberculosis. Friends and family surmised that Rachel was the culprit. In February 1793, 500 residents of Manchester braved the elements to watch Rachel be exhumed. Her liver, heart, and lungs were moved and burned on the blacksmith's forge. Regardless, of course, Hulda died. The residents, though, didn't learn the error of their ways. Since the cure didn't work, they just assumed Rachel wasn't a vampire, but a witch. <laughs> yeah. Roll your eyes. (coughs) The next one we don't know much about at all. In February... February 1796, Cumberland, Rhode Island, town council granted permission to Stephen Staples to exhume the body of his 23-year-old daughter, Abigail Staples. His daughter, Lavina, had started coming down with the symptoms of tuberculosis and wanted to try an experiment, quote-unquote, to save Lavina. Despite the council noting the decision was made, quote, against the better concise of this council unquote which means they didn't want to nothing else is known about what happened at the exhumation what happened to Lavina Sarah Tillinghast of Exeter Rhode Island Sarah was the first of snuffy (laughs) Tillinghast's 14 children to die her surviving children began to say that Sarah was visiting them at night by 1799 five more of her children had died of consumption and one more was gravely ill when the bodies of the dead were exhumed, all except Sarah was in advanced stages of decomposition. Sarah's heart was removed and burned in front of the family home. Describing what happened in 1888, a writer named Sidney Ryder said that, quote, Peace then came to this afflicted family, but not, however, until a seventh victim had been demanded. Unquote. That is cryptic. <laughs> you look so confused. Why? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> a journal entry from September 26, 1859, Henry David Thoreau wrote, quote, the savage man is never quite eradicated. I have just read of a family in Vermont who several of its members, members having died of consumption, just burned the lungs and heart and liver of the last deceased in order to prevent any more from having it, unquote. At the time Henry wrote this, he was himself battling consumption and would three years later die of it. So like, it could last years. You could be sick for years, or you could be sick for months. You know what I mean?
1: People probably just wanted to die if they had
0: it. <coughs> I can imagine. Just like I want to die right now with this cone. <laughs> no vampire exhumation happened to him, but he did hear of it. The family that they think Henry is talking about is the Spaulding family from Dumerson, Dummerston, Vermont. In 1790, Lieutenant Leonard Spaulding had lost six of his 11 adult children to consumption. That's a lot. He was desperate when another daughter started to get sick. The body of the most recently deceased child was exhumed. The vital organs were taken out and burned. Another vampire belief was that the vines would grow between the buried casket, and once all the burial plots were connected, another family member would die. When Leonard's son Reuben died in 1794, he was buried set apart from his family so the cycle would be broken. It didn't break. No, I mean, if yes, this is all I know, this is all I got for information. Mm. Nancy Young of Foster, Rhode Island. Nancy Young died at the age of nineteen in eighteen twenty-seven. Her sister fell ill shortly after Nancy died, and then the other siblings. After that, their father, Captain Levi Young, asked his neighbors and friends to exhume and burn her remains. What year? Eighteen twenty-seven. Okay. While they burned the remains, the family gathered around and inhaled the smoke from the burning remains. Obviously, this didn't work because, you know, you got a lung disease and inhaling smoke is not going to help.
1: Nope.
0: It's not going to heal you. And two, it's probably going to make it worse. Five more children died shortly after that. Okay.
1: I Lemuel- think people would realize after so many bodies.
0: Yeah, but think, so we're going to think, we'll talk about it after. One more. Lemel Ray of Jewett City, Connecticut, died of consumption in 1845 at only 24. A few years after his death, Lemel's father and brother soon died as well. Three years after that, when Lem's older brother Henry fell ill, the family exhumed and burned Lem. Henry died, anyways. This case is not far from the J.B. we talked about earlier. When 1999, uh, 1990, they discovered him. Remember that. Mm-hmm. So that is what we have for documented cases. And, um, let's talk about why we think something like that would happen. You said like before, just a minute ago, actually, why do you think they learn after hearing people doing this and then them dying? Right. Yeah. So Rhode Island is really small, but back then, Mm -hmm. think 30, 40 acres with no cars, like 30, 40 acres you don't know your neighbors like we do now. We don't have cars to get there. We don't have telephones. You hear rumors. It's like a game of telephone. Like, you, somebody mm. whispers something. Maybe. So you hear somebody from the town, a couple towns over. Yeah. But maybe you don't hear that it didn't work. Maybe you hear it did work. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: You hear oh, what you want to hear.
0: Exactly. And people were, back then, there was no cure. There was no explanation of why consumption was happening. They didn't understand how, that it was contagious. They didn't understand any of that. They just wanted a reason to, they wanted it to stop, basically, and they, they were thinking of any ways to stop it. Yeah. All the people taking part in the vampire panic are colonizers. So people that came here and colonized and, you know, stole land, whatever. There's really no other way to put it. That's what they are. Yeah. They all came from different places around the world with lots of different beliefs about all the supernatural. Mm-hmm. I think the beliefs they had had about what was happening to the loved ones were also fear-based. They didn't know what was happening. Like we said, they were trying to rationalize it, and they instead of thinking it's some bacteria, they're going to blame a vampire or a ghost. or They don't have to live with... So they... Yeah. I mean, there's nobody's fault if somebody gets sick.
1: Yeah.
0: But they didn't have any... Thing. So they didn't know. So old school legends made way into New England, once again scaring everyone into being irrational. So pretty much New England. <laughs> normal New England. Witch trials, you know, stuff like that.
1: Normal stuff nobody really w- hears about.
0: No, I mean, did you ever? I've never heard about this until I started like it's looking into in it. It's
1: Connecticut yeah. trials? Nobody heard about that, but they've heard of the sound. hmm
0: This is just kind of like... Who wants to talk about people digging up their family members and burning their vital organs? Why
1: because- do, I do. <laughs> We do. i you that for
0: $100. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook at the Macabre Family Podcast, on Instagram at Macabre Family, on TikTok at Macabre Family Podcast. Also send us an email at macabrefamilypod at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for the support and keep it scoopy. Bye. Bye. Bye.